You ever think about quitting? It's the combat of life hammering the snot out of you. Well, stand by, dig in deep, and get ready to get fired up with us. Welcome to the Team Never Quit Podcast, the number one podcast that inspires you to fight on. I'm your host, David Rutt Rutherford, here with Mr. Never Quit himself, Marcus Luttrell. Our mission is to help you embrace the suck of life, to teach you the values of working your ass off, and to interview the most hard-charging people on planet Earth. We know life is hard. It's time for you to suck it up, buttercup, and let us teach you to persevere in every environment imaginable by sharing real-world lessons learned by those who never quit. That's right. It's time, Marcus, for us to help them defeat the well, negative you insurgency me up, man. in their you lives. Fire me up. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's roll. Let's roll. Dun 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 dun. Marcus, when you hear me say that, what does that make you think about? You know, the head of the family is coming into the room. Right? Yeah. Right? It's presidential yeah, right. at its nature and its core. Well, let me talk to you first about family. this. You know that the first family is coming into the... It, if you look at America as the the ones, the family that we elect into the White House it, it, as the first family. And then, then it cascades this, down all, from all, there. All the way down through the, the, house. You know, the house and the Senate, the crazy yep. uncles, aunts and uncles. And then it just kind of boils on down into all of us. I like that. The family of politics. That's yeah, our elected first. Because we don't have kings and queens, but we do have American families. And that's what this thing runs off of is just the backs of the American people. And we're, we're all one big family, whether we like it or not, man. Good, bad, and indifferent. And then the ones when we come collectively to pick somebody to represent all of us or one. Now it's like one section of it. It's supposed to be all of us, right? Right. The collective into one, yes. into one house. Once it's established through an election, a democratic right, election. Sure. That's why they get scrutinized so hard. Because you want to make sure that you don't throw somebody up there that... Like, the black ah, sheep. Right, right, oh, my right? God. Because yeah. the world looks at us. It, it's harder to come down on somebody and talk as much if you think of them as family. Like, oh, yeah, it's just kind of how... That's a good way to look high. at it. Man, you could stop so much of the negativity... If we looked at it like that, whereas if the election after the election happens, whether you win or you lose, you're like, all right, that's my crazy Uncle Bob in there now. You know what? I'm going to get behind him, try and support him and whatever. Let me tell you what we got today. What we got today is we got one of our family, one of our brothers. Yeah, because that's how we are in the military. That's how we survive in the military. Totally. Everything we join together, they tell us we're the family. You got the, our tribe, our family, how uh, we're connected to one another, our brothers that we die with on the battlefield. Come from different parts of this country, from come up in the school systems like we do, or if we, even if they don't, but it's the collective. And you get all those. The great part about the military, it's a melting pot of the country. So when we, when we have to work together, we have to assimilate and learn how to, to just to thrive and survive. And if we can do it, the entire country can do it because we're made up of everything. I mean, oh. And we're under the hardest... Um, pressure the stress of war keep this country going the yeah. protection of it yes and i don't know maybe it's that that makes us assimilate so easy just that concept of it to to the give and take of getting along with each other because and after I a while think, you just forget about it i mean yeah the ranks there and the uniforms there but i mean you don't you know i don't ever think about it like oh he's from florida and i and now it's not it at all mm. although no, you do make it abundantly clear that i'm not for texas 
I do do that. You do. Yeah, I'm sorry. It's man. That's that's all right. Teach that in Texas history. I can be like your second cousin. <laughs> it's like a it's like a, having a birth defect. Oh man, that hurt. That's bad. Still what? related, but just just a little bit not. Well, you're just not quite right. That hurts. That hurts. But I'll tell you what. What I love about what you're saying, Marcus, and because of that assimilation, because of that ability to look past certain differences, right? And our ability to work together, to find solutions. That's why I think it's it's critical that more of us decide to go into politics like our guest today is deciding to. Absolutely. So what are the statistics that we were able to find, which I thought, Marcus, was, was telltaling, right? Of the country, everything. Was in 1971, 72, 72 is a glorious year, by the way. In 1971, 72, 78% of the Senate had military service. 72% of the House had military service. Mm -hmm. Today, 2018, only 20% of Congress has military service. What do you think about that? Um, um, baby boomers, right? Their war messed them up. Think so. You look back in and you start studying history and all the generations and what wars they had to fight, and and it's kind of that one you saw that first break in the whole the counterculture revolution, man. <laughs> Recognizing yeah. that our projection of power might not be the best thing for the country, and so there was that internal strife. What ultimately, I that's so, what you're seeing now. They're 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 the average age is. In Congress is 57 and and, in the Senate it's 61. So that's them. That's them. That's them. So there's something different. I mean, you're talking about that 78 was the, was the peak of Congress of veteran uh, participation in the Congress. 71, 72, 78%. In the Congress. And now we are 17 years into the longest running conflict, war, multi-war, whatever you want to call this that we're in. And we're at the bottom of congressional veteran participation in Congress. Now, what is the difference there? That's crazy, right? I I think it's exactly to the point that Marcus was talking about that. It has to do with the counterculture revolution. It was a diametric shift in how we govern ourselves and in terms of how we spread American might and power. Right. The Vietnam War really caused a schism between our political focus, both with Democrats and Republicans. And it created that schism between the two in terms of, you know, the relevance in in our projection of power. And you said you saw that slide into, you know, what happened with Nixon leaving office and and then what going into uh, Ford and then Jimmy Carter, and then we started bringing it back around again with Reagan, and 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 we had this, you know, you know this this spread of domination, which ended the Cold War, and then we shifted back, and what we've seen over the presidential elections over the last few years. But I think to your point, what's very interesting, you're right. We are in the longest running wars war that we've been in in our nation's history, and we have the lowest serving number of military veterans in Congress. Run by the generation that hated war. That hated most. war. It's kind of, uh, what, what is that, bitter irony? that uh, Not that we're war mongers, veterans are war mongers. It's just, it, it, I think. Not, no, that's, that's yeah, I'm trying to go with that. So 
as the kids, they hated their parents so much for putting putting them in that war in the Vietnam War, um, and now they put their kids in the longest war in American history. Right, right, for sure. Now, now, granted, the the situation I think is much more difficult because the the enemy we're fighting is a lot more uh, metamorphic, if you will. It and, is now. Yeah. Right. Now, let me ask you guys. Let me present a question to you two. Do you believe that because of the generation we've grown up, because of what we've seen, because of what we know, when we kind of fuse all those different groups, fuse together and start moving into political office, we'll see a new style of politics evolve. Do you believe that? I've been sitting over here trying to decide and predict the future on this. And it's a little difficult. Because we look at that example we were talking about before with, you know, countercultural revolutions and the 60s and all that. And then the result of that was ended up being a the country voting and bringing in people who were in the military. So it's, it's, it's I guess it would be a, you know, the country's view of its veterans. Okay? I think it probably. And then I compare that to now and I try to say, well, is it going to be the same thing? Will they have the same mindset, or will it be different? I don't think as many Vietnam vets wanted to run for office because of the negativity affiliate. Our generation is is not been uh, demonized. Yeah, the veterans they can't you couldn't come out and say I served our military. I was in Vietnam. They, they didn't do that, man. They, yeah, <laughs> right. They were ashamed of what happened to the veterans from the Vietnam. Era. Totally, and, and because of that, it's come all the way back around to make sure that we never do that again. And they give them every opportunity, including the mental and the physical, to come back, get <clears throat> get healed up, and get back back online. There's actually platforms for us to rotate out. And yeah, was it it, it was slow in the beginning because hell, we we were new at still this, serving. Right? We're still yeah, at war. Yeah, we're still at war. Yeah, we're, exactly. Man, the hurricane's still on. That's the biggest thing. The kids are still rolling through there as a pipeline and there's no draft so you got this is people want, wanting to do that which means there's a love behind it that's what a, colonel north that struck me last night colonel north talked about he said you know for the last 17 years not a single person has been forced into the military a 100 percent all volunteer our uh, service volunteer military for the longest war in our nation's history that's powerful servitude and That's I'm powerful f- servitude. I've said this before, though. In my opinion, I think that that, even though it, on some aspects, that's obviously positive. You have the negative element of <clears throat> it isolates the awareness of what's going on with the military and its its visceral connection, right? What it truly means to a family unit, to individuals that go over and fight. I think it's created a gulf in the in the American consciousness between people with that true what it means to be in the military with that service and the rest of the population. And I think that's dangerous. Only nine mm-hmm. U.S. presidents in the, in, out of the 45 were not in the military. And we have just had, in the past four presidents, three of those were never in the military. Yeah, well, uh, I think that goes so back to... So what does that say about America's appreciation, need for military service as an indicator of suitability to lead the country? Well... Last look at the generation you were dealing with. I'm, I hate to keep going back. I'm not yeah. harboring them. I mean, show respect to our to mom, mom and dad, our to elders. The, to, yeah, to the to the boomer class. But 
they shut down the American warrior class during the, that that period, and we're just kind of coming towards the end of it because we're coming into our own, and our guys are actually rotating out. And the American mm-hmm. warrior class is a is is a real thing, always has been all up to all the way to the point to almost seventy eight, right? To when it, yep. it kind of we took a, took a break in it, and they they got shunned down, and now that we've been brought back out. I mean, and the, you see the guys wearing the uniforms out in town, and and that ultimately that the American warrior class is the service class as well, and when they've done it since it's revolution, since, yeah, <clears throat> since we became yeah. a country, and now that, that the guys are coming back, and it's our time to rotate out of the fighting aspect of service to this country. Then you, what's after that is you take all that public knowledge. service, yeah, public service, right? And then you, you're, you're kind of shifting into that. And uh, it, I, I I hear you. And I think that's a great point to make. I, I think you got to look at prior elections and, and, and really the consciousness and the, the, how World War II shifted the understanding and the gravity of making big, life-threatening decisions as a country. And that lingered for a long, long, long time. Now I think the, our, our society and how, how non, right, we're, right, Marcus, we're in the most peaceful time in, in human history or something like that, right? Uh, that we basically, we? yeah. There's Isn't a statistic least based on the amount of conflict. world population involved in conflict. Yes, yeah. So we 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 are statistically in the most peaceful times in human history. So I think as a consciousness, our country says, "All right, being a military commander isn't a prerequisite to govern a a, a multipolar society and world." Right, and we're the leaders of the pack in that. But what I'm saying is, man, I think the tide is shifting, as Marcus puts forth. We've had enough quality people that have been in the fight, who know the deal, who know how to work across lines with different classes, with different types of people, having a a real guttural reaction to what they feel the country, where's the country at, and wanting to go in to one of the harshest places on the planet to serve. Mm. I mean, in my mind, Marcus, it's infinitely easier to serve in the military <laughs> than it is to serve in politics. Oh, absolutely. I'm telling you, man, I, I, I firmly believe that veterans going in, they're coming from a place where they have true faith in the country. They, they strongly believe what, what the country is about. They've gone out, they've, put the uniform on to support it in its most intimate ways. They've lost friends. They've lost loved ones. Their, their families have, have faced those struggles. And now they're going into this, this, the lion's den, if you will, to perpetuate that desire to make America better. That's why I'm fired up. And that's why I'm fired up. Dan coming on the show, baby wizard. We, 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 we first need to understand who is Dan Crenshaw? Who is Dan Crenshaw? Daniel Crenshaw, he's uh, 33 years old. He started, uh, let's begin with his, his career here in the teams, did five deployments over 10 years, retired as a lieutenant commander, so he's officer type. Sir! <laughs> hey, I have another! Now, uh, he, was in, he was injured on his third deployment. That was uh, in Afghanistan, helping province. He uh, lost his right eye, bani- badly damaged the left ID explosion at close range, uh, took some shrapnel to the face and other parts of his body. Um, miraculously, according to what doctors said, it was a, it was a miracle that they were able to salvage his left eye. Um, so he did regain eyesight, at least in, in that. He retired in 2016. Uh, he's medically retired because of this. Now, 
Gets out, goes to Harvard uh, Graduate School. John F. Kennedy School Foreign Policy, which ain't no joke, yo. Right, there it is. And I didn't go there. Naturally, he does that because of his interest <laughs> uh, in politics. Does some holds a few small positions in and around D.C. until he decides to return. Uh, he decides to return to Houston, his hometown here, and run for Congress, replacing uh, Ted Poe here in the second district. Dude. Another one of those team guys with a resume that kills. And he went yeah. to Tufts, too. His undergrad went to Tufts, which right. is like the wannabe Harvard. Sorry, brother. <laughs> oh, sorry, all you Tufts people, too. I didn't get anywhere near Tufts. <laughs> <laughs> they wouldn't even it's let me on the ground. University of Phoenix. It's, it's, the, it's the online Harvard. Oh, God bless it. Well, and that's something when you start thinking about Tufts. That sounds like a military school. Doesn't it? Tough. Tough. Yeah, tough. but it's like tufts of grass. Yeah, tufts. tufts T-U-F-T. Right? It's not bust on tufts, man. All his hair fell out, but a no, few no, tufts. No, it's a milit- it sounds like a, a badass, tough military school, but since it's academia and smart, they put the T on the end of it. Interesting. I don't know. It sounded right. Oh, yeah. Tufts. It makes something more intellectual. Tufts. Yeah. Had a silent letter. <laughs> Listen, what I love about it, man, that dude's all about service, right, Marcus? And it's when you see somebody carry the torch like that, especially uh, from one to the other, from the military service after getting injured, getting out, and then continuing on. I think a lot of times you get some guys midway through their careers when they get injured, like the warfighters, they're not done. Right? It's Nowhere near done. Yeah, it's tough. That's, I think that might be the toughest part coming out. It's not. And where do you go, right? Yeah, it's kind of what, what do you do, what to do. But if you're if you're in one of those kind of mindsets to where it's that that ultimate service, you you volunteer, but then you volunteer again. You keep going in, the, the, yeah, the triple volunteers. Yep. And when you shut those guys down because of an injury, the mental capacity is still there. And, and the what only, a great outlet for yeah, politics, right, right? Right. Well, on that note, brother, way to wrap that up, Marcus. On that note, what do you think, gents? I think it's it's time to bring him on. And you know what I love mm-hmm. most about him is his eye patch. Mm-hmm. And the fact that under that eye patch, he's got a trident eyeball. I promise you, we're going to get one of those eyeballs. All right. What do you say, gentlemen? Do you want to bring him on the show? Absolutely. All right. Do Let's do it. Dun, 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 dun. Marcus, I'm telling you, brother, not only you know I get fired up when one of our own is coming on, right? Mm. You know, I mean, my blood boils. It warms the cockles of my heart. I get so fired up. And he's sitting right here, and he's staring at me with a trident eyeball. That is America, bro. And he's running for office, dude. This just leads the whole credence that you do this when even... When no one's around, they think, oh, I have no idea. we got somebody sitting in here, so it's not an act, right? It's the real thing. You're doing the real McCoy right now, partner. Well, dude, when you're when I'm staring, at, we like, have a witness. Welcome to the dungeon. You, you, yeah. you, you, but you can't help yourself. One, brother, just you sitting there, and just right, let me make my point, and then I'll introduce you properly. But just the fact that he's here with us, he's on this insane journey. To go make the world a better place, right? To make America better. He ain't got no eye. Gave that up for the cause carrying a gun. He went on. He's been to Harvard. He's been to Tufts. 
He's out there now canvassing, cam- like knocking on doors, and I want to get into that eventually. Man, this guy's full tilt. Mm-hmm. What do you think, brother? Should we introduce him? Maybe? Yeah, let's do it. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome the incredible teammate, Dan Crenshaw. Brother, thank you for being here, man. Thank you so much. It's an honor to be here. That's the best introduction I've ever gotten. <laughs> You should probably open up a company of bio intros. Right, right, right. Send them to me. People walk in with the resume, but there's also the recordings. Like before you read that, sir, just listen to this. Just press play on this, dude. Yeah, Yeah. I like that. (laughs) I just get fired up for people that are motivated, right? I get fired up for people that have badass, never quit stories, and I also get fired up for team guys who are really continuing that servitude on a whole nother level, man, because there's so many, we see all of our brothers all out there, man. They do 20, they do whatever they cross over, they go through the transition and they get lost and they don't know how to take it and build on it and keep improving the world around them. But dude, you are out on the pavement, knocking on doors and selling an idea that's, that's there. It's real. And that you're going to help bring to this country, man. That's that's epic, dude. Dan, that's serious. Bro. Thank you. Uh, thank you, man. means a lot. That yeah. means a lot to me. Well, we're stoked. All right. You know, we don't ever talk about it in the teams, but the, everyone knows. I mean, when, when you're in, you got you. We all kind of crew up with the platoon totally. and stuff like that. And, and anytime an officer comes into a platoon with, as a new, we do the background check on him, like, where do you go to school? Yeah, Annapolis guy. But then there's a select fruit. I mean, we have a, a lot of Ivy League guys. You didn't expect that when I first got in. I had a couple of Harvard guys in my class. You guys have like a you know, like a club, Harvard Seals? You do, don't you? We don't not like tell you about it. Nick is there right now, yeah. man. Smoky rooms and right. yeah, exactly. you have the handshake, uh, yeah. the skull and bones <laughs> right. crap. Right. This is all part of it. Although it's, there's the undergrad Harvard and there's the there's the master's degree Harvard. The undergrad Harvard that's very exclusive. Uh-huh. I don't think I'm allowed in that club. I think they look down. <laughs> they look down on us. Oh, you just have a master's degree yeah. from Harvard. That's You're still worthless. That's not as good. It's just not. <laughs> they know I couldn't get in undergrad. They know. <laughs> oh, you went to Tufts. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the Harvard Safety School. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Is that what they call it? it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, totally. okay, yeah, they call it. We don't have to talk about that. No, we, we'll, we we'll, we blow we'll, we'll, we'll blow by that. All right. All right, before we before we even get going, man, we, we've got to do something that you're familiar with, I'm sure, from your time in a tease, your time's downrange, and we'll talk about all that. But we gotta we gotta put you through the mad minute, Dan. Yes. Are you ready for the mad minute? Ready. All right. Let's now this is gonna be a full blown because one, you're a smart dude. Two, most importantly, too, because you're an officer and we're a bunch of enlisted guys, so we've gotta bring this at you full tilt. So that's really just one and two, right? All right, Marcus, unload on him, please. All right, favorite superhero. That's a mix of Wolverine and Captain America. Oh, how, how do you combine those? Cool. I mean, there's mix, like right? there's the, the nobility of Captain the, America. The yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. Nobility of Captain America. That's a really good way of putting it. Yeah. Um, but man, Wolverine's just that gritty, hardcore dude. He's just like right. slashing everybody. <laughs> I'm diehard Spidey mean, fan, but I got yeah. that Wolverine, you know, because it's just Wolverine. a You know, and I feel like I heal pretty fast, too. Nice. You know, so I'm like, I'm, I'm basically Wolverine. But, but I also have an eyeball with a Captain America symbol in it. 
Oh, you so, do not, dude. Yeah, that is so awesome. So it's it's hard to choose between the two. All right. <laughs> I, I like that. Not many people go with that route and will share too, but because of it, you will allow that to happen. All right, wizard, <laughs> fire away. Okay, give us uh, one person you admire above all others for physical ability and then one you admire for mental ability. Oh, that's a deeper one. Okay. Dude, stand by for his. Think yeah. about these. No, none. None. Okay, go with whatever geez, came to uh, mind first. Phew. Mine was Tanya Harding. Clearly, it's Thor. <laughs> Thor? <laughs> What'd you say, Tanya Harding? Thor. I mean, he's got pretty incredible physical, but but he's copied me recently. Did you see his latest movie? Oh, Twelve Strong, isn't it? It's no, not no. out yet, right? No, Thor. No, Thor. Ragnar, the actual right? Thor. Ra- yeah, oh, Ragnar, I thought you meant he, like, the dude who plays him. No, he cuts yeah. his hair and he loses an eyeball. Yeah, dude, right. he's totally copying yeah, he's you. He's copying me. Totally. He's got pretty incredible. I'm sorry to go back to superheroes, but man, I'm just kind of thinking. You said off the top of my head. Dan, 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 you literally could linger on superheroes all interview and we'd be stoked, all right? Okay, so (laughs) mental ability. Okay, I'm going to go with the guy who shares a birthday with me, Albert Einstein. Same birthday, March 14th. I should like this. uh, Yeah, I mean, word on the street is he's pretty smart, theory of relativity. (laughs) And uh, I minored in physics in school, so, you know. Learned to, I like him. He's I, I'm a big fan. How can you not be a fan of Albert right. Einstein? Right? He, he yeah, fit not. the mold of what a, a, a brilliant scientist should look like. Amazing. Like, right, exactly. Yeah, whole, I love his hair. Amazing. I love his Amazing. style. Yeah, great style. All right, it's my turn. Right. All right. Yeah. Did you, are you superstitious? And if you <laughs> are, did you have like some lucky charm that you carried with a, with you? On every op and every deployment, is there something, maybe from growing up playing football or whatever you did, is there something, or do you even have it now, that's still around with you? Yeah, I've got my eye in a jar. Yeah, <laughs> uh, no, on deployment, I had a little uh, a trinket from my mom. I lost my mom when I was young, wow. 10 years old, and uh, there, was a, there was a little like heart, kind of, you know, what are those called? The charm bracelet. Yeah, like a, yeah. Like a little bracelet thing. Um and uh, honestly, I think I, I lost it after I got hurt. Um, a lot of you know, I didn't pack up my own stuff, and and, and unfortunately, that didn't make it back. But I, I did carry that with me. That's cool, man. That's yeah. really cool. Uh, you know, in general, am I superstitious? I don't know. I'm terrified of ghosts. If that's <laughs> I don't know if that means I'm superstitious. No, but you know, I, like like what's your greatest fears? It's, it's definitely sharks and ghosts. Because uh, sh- uh, that's mine, dude. Right you there, can't dude. you can't fight against these things. How about a sh- ghost <sighs> shark? Dude, don't even talk about yeah. ghost sharks. What about sharks and tornadoes. <laughs> sharks and tornadoes. <laughs> what if that happens? That's impossible, yeah. Marcus. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Obviously not. They made a documentary. Uh, like you There's can't a fight against these a couple things. of them. No. There's now like four documentaries. Yeah. Don't they have like four of those? Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Marcus, fire away. All right. What what was your last best worst idea? Um well I in recent past and how to play out. Uh running for Congress. Yeah, dude, maybe, maybe? Congress. He's living it right now, <laughs> yeah, right, dude. Right. Uh I tried to I tried to take my car keys and go driving on the highways in the last couple of days, uh, you know, in Houston, which wasn't allowed apparently. I thought my car. I thought it'd be fine, but Tara took snowing, my keys. My wife, wife took my keys. <laughs> that happens. It wouldn't, it that wouldn't, wouldn't let me do it. Damn it, woman, uh, where are them keys? Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, I had, a, I had an intervention. Basically, I'm like, I am trained to do this. I don't need. <laughs> you know, I got four wheel drive. I'm not driving a Prius. All right. <laughs> like, oh, <laughs> I know. Oh Melly my takes my keys. Icy me too. roads. Let me drive. What's before that? I'm trying to give you guys another one. 
Uh, I get injured about every couple of years. I'm actually due for a hardcore injury at this point. <laughs> like, it's just it's quite scary God, to live, on, to live too, under man. that threat of like just knowing. Uh, like so, my last one was skiing. Like you know, you're probably you're not supposed to to. I mean, hit a you know we're hitting like a double black. Watch my brother go down it, but he lent me some crappy skis that day. And man, you go up for like a six foot drop in, and they pop off, and I tumble down. T- pectoral tendon rips apart. Oh, that was a bad idea. I don't yeah. know if it was a bad, best, worst because there was really no benefit to that at all. No, just, I I think that classifies, just, especially is your brother younger than you? Yeah, 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 yeah. Right where the young dude's like, "Hey, bro, let's go hit yeah, this, I'm man." Like, well, yeah, I, I never I got this. I'm never more gonna learn how to ski. I never did. He's a snowboarder and all that. But the kids got old enough, and yeah, my second to last operation was because I flipped into a in, in, into them trees on them skis. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my God, dude! It's doing. Yeah. Totally, totally. All right, wizard, fire away. All right, ready? We're gonna do random word association. Oh no! First thing that comes to mind, and we need a response within one second. So there's no thinking about these. Are you prepared and willing to participate? Can we all play this one, no. dude? All right. <laughs> Are you ready? I don't have a choice. I don't even know why you asked me. <laughs> Here it comes. Pancake syrup. Pancake syrup. Sugar. Picasso. Elf. Combat training tank. <laughs> gotcha. Honesty. <laughs> awesome. Overhand right. Uh, kettlebell. Burton Leon Reynolds. Who? What? Bert Burton Leon Reynolds. Oh, Bert, uh, he's mustache. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Bowling ball mashed potatoes. Ball, gutter ball. <laughs> Artificial intelligence. <laughs> Computers. Bro, <laughs> dude. I think you get off on melting I'm our guest brains down, yeah, dude. Short circuit. <laughs> like we're we're supposed to be building them up. Like stretch <laughs> it out, you know. And you're giving them some Blade Runner, you know, coming back baseline thing, right? That we saw last night, and just <laughs> melting his prefrontal cortex down. Yeah, but this is all based on the assumption that this is not the absolute best part of the show, and everybody turns it off after this. <laughs> good, good point. Does that I, I belay my last. Are people doing that? Yeah, does that happen? <laughs> but wait, we what? just think find they listen to the rest of the show. Belay my last. All right. If you could go back in history, right, and spend thirty days on a desolate island or stranded somewhere, mm. who would it be with? Oh, just any anybody. Right, let's extend in, it. In let's history. make it six months so the annoying part comes in. You know. Yeah, so you gotta really like them. Yes. Like, yeah. Not allowed to choose like my wife. Right? Nah, no. Okay. No way. No. No. Too easy. Way too easy. Too easy. Like a historical figure. Yeah. Yeah. Some decent. Jeez. So we could learn something from. Maybe. Okay. Uh, I like to give the right answer. Molly Ringwald. <laughs> it's not a bad one. I can't give you an appropriate answers either. I'm running for Congress. This is like, what's the problem? Tape. Yeah. All tape, bro. Right. I gotta watch everything I say these days. Oh my not god, very good. Ringwald is a weird one. The discipline. It's, I know. It's a, I have that discipline. There's so many like things that come to mind. And you're just no, Dan. No. All this shit hitting his filter. He's like, no, no, that. no. Yeah. And it's, there's, there's, there's like two separate personalities. Um, this is, against each other. I'm telling you, what you're getting into is a thousand times harder than going to Bud's, but a thousand times, bro. That's is fun. Right? Bud's is fun. Right? All right. Well, I'll, give you, I'll give you a historical figure. I just This is going to sound contrived, but I don't care. I, would, I'd, I wouldn't mind spending it with Ronald Reagan. 
Yeah, he's six a, months you know, with the Gipper he pa- would he be pa- cool. He passes the airport test. Like, oh, I, I totally. spent some time with him. Totally. Or, you know, have you seen American Made? Oh my God! With, we'll, watch, we'll watch tonight when. Uh, we'll, so funny. <laughs> why Ronald well, Reagan? Yeah. Wait, wait. You can't ask why. Ron why. Yes, you can. All right. I want. I want. I want to hear why. All right, go. Oh, why, Reagan? I want to hear why. One, because, I mean, he revolutionized conservative politics. I want to know how he did that. I want to know what his thought process were. I want to know his secrets of communicating with people and inspiring people. Um, you know, I don't know. Good, no, I want to know for Ron that. Reagan is why he did a movie with a chimpanzee. Was his <laughs> career in such shambles that he had to do a movie with a chimpanzee? <laughs> politics. Right? Right? And thank God he did, right? On. Thank yeah. God. All right, Marcus, last question. All right, brother, if you woke up in the morning as John McClane, which day would you want to die hard? You got which five movie? movies which to choose from. Which movies? Oh, definitely the third one. He said third? Yeah. The third one? Yeah. In New York? Is that the, yeah. that the one in New York? That's with the, the, just, the, one the other day, I, I thought I would want to be Nakatomi Plaza, but the third one with... Uh, oh, you, cha- you can't change your answer, you can you? Just an awesome movie. Yeah, you can. Movie. Yeah, you can. Number, three, you number on, three is my favorite. It's yeah. so good. So uh, good. You're right there. Yeah, but... The one with the fire sale was good, man. The way they, Computer stuff? Yeah. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah that was later. That was, that was one of the newer ones, right? That was one of the newer ones. I'm sticking with That was pretty good. That's like some Jack Bauer stuff right there. Like, Jack Bauer's always... He like gives up his assault rifle for, for a pistol right, every exactly. time. And I'm like, and he's like knocking and, and airplanes no, out of no the sky. It's Kiefer, bro. It's no Kiefer. Good Nobody can do this. Always got to call him back. And he's got to torture time. everybody. <laughs> right? like every, he tortured his dad once, I think. Didn't he? <laughs> like, he did. He totally <laughs> it's did. It's ridiculous. Oh, it's Kiefer. He's twisted. Jack Bauer. All right. I knew we were talking about John McClane. So that was the mad 10 minutes. Thank you very much, Dan, for your participation, for your answers. We we are are incredibly. Did they ever do a 24 movie where Jack? No. (laughs) They didn't, did they? No, because nobody wants to see Kiefer Sutherland in any movies anymore. I do. Really? What's wrong with You want to see Young Guns 10? Maybe. (laughs) 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 One guy. The first were, were good. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't understand the question. I don't understand the question. <laughs> what? What? Wait, what? I respectfully what? Abstain. what? Right? That. I understand there'd be no math involved. All right. <laughs> I, was told, I, was, I was told there would be no math involved in the situation. Have that removed. All right. Dan, God bless you for having your patience with us and our ridiculousness. But the reason why you're here, obviously, it's is because not- he's taped to the chair. Listen, don't it's not your first time in flex cuffs. We know that. Right? <laughs> <laughs> you, might take you, that the wrong you, way. You, you, <laughs> you, Answer you, the damn question. You, you, <laughs> you were a third O before. Yeah. Guy can take interrogation. For God's sake, he lost an eye during the whole day. Yeah. He lost, right. came did the podcast, lost an eye. <laughs> <laughs> How did you lose your eye? Well, uh, oh. never quit, guys. Uh, wanted a story. Right? So. Here, here, here's here's what we really want, though, as, uh, as I digress even more down this rabbit hole of absurdity. But if you ever feel like giving us an eye, we will put it right here in the middle of our podcast, bro. So you can always be a part of us. Right. That would be epic. But I'll go find a lion. I know they're not cheap. I'll, I'll go find a lion skull. Or, don't say that. What? A lion skull? A big mount skull. Put that eye in there. Oh, that'd be so I gotta, cool. Uh, yeah. You can't say lions, though. No, I know. Exactly. You'll get hammered for poaching. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs>
Cecil, I'm sorry, brother. I've never shot a lion either. I don't kind of. He doesn't hunt those. No. All right. The reason why people come here, Dan, is is they are out there in the combat of their life. They are out there desperately trying to fight through whatever situation they have, whatever, whether they're getting beaten down at work, they're getting beaten down, you know, in their personal lives. And so they 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 come to our our podcast because they know they're gonna get some really amazing content, some positivity from people that they can look up to, the people that they respect, such as yourself, to hear their story. So if you could, without further ado, could you please share with our listeners your greatest never quit story or stories? Absolutely. Okay. Um, I'll start it maybe earlier in life because I think uh, I think it builds upon that and it kind of makes me who I am. So I mean, my first never quit story is really age 10. My my mother was battling cancer for five years, and uh, we were growing up here in Katy. And uh, you know she never quit. She never complained. She always put us first. Her, her two kids, me and my brother, and uh, she didn't make it. And she she eventually lost that battle when I was ten. And uh, you know what do you do as a ten year old? My brother's five, and he barely really understands what's going on. And you know my dad's struggling to make ends meet, and. Uh, trying to take care of us at the same time. So, you know, I think that that's my real f- first true test. And, and also my, my first, uh, my first introduction to what a hero looks like and what it, what it means to never quit and to watch somebody go through that. And, you know, that was my mother. So I think I had a good example early on and, uh, you know, she, her message to me right off the bat was, or, or, or sorry, before she died, her message to me was, you know, it was sort of great heights. And I, I don't, I don't know that she knew what that meant, or or that I really knew what that meant at the time. But it still sticks with you. Mm. It doesn't really matter what you choose to do in life. It's not really about what you do. It's how you do it. And I think that's what sort of great heights meant. And um, you know, a couple of years later, I was introduced to what a seal was, you know, through books and things. Maybe I read, and uh, it was hooked right away. You know, and I think uh, maybe it was the adventure. I don't know. You're kids, right? So like what. There's not a whole lot of us that that get into this business without having wanting to do it for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot, it's it's rare that a guy goes through buds because like, oh, I'm just trying something new, you know? Like, <laughs> right? Hey, it looked cool, man. Yeah, I was here, man. Yeah. So I was like, all right, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I had nothing else going on. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you know that that started probably around age twelve or thirteen, and that that really drove my decisions from then on out. And, uh, you know, what college I was looking at and, you know, whether I was going to do ROTC or look at the academy or, or whatever. And um, I kept going through that. And, it, you know, I was at least taught early on to kind of have those building blocks in life that set you up for success. You got to get the right grades and everything. Okay, so all pushing towards being a SEAL. Um, eventually did that. Had my next, I think, setback, right? And most of us do going through buzz. It's, uh, you know, it's... You're def- it's definitely the rule that you're probably going to get hurt and rolled back at, at somehow, oh, yeah, some that's, way. That's statistically so, yeah, <laughs> or, yeah. or three times. Yeah. I mean, you might you might happen three yeah. times. Yeah. Well, we call that weak genes. Thank you, sir. I appreciate that. May <laughs> I have another? Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, sir. May long, I have another? How long was Stokes there? Uh, five years. No, on and off for five, five years, five. but he left and came back. Weirs has the unbroken, continuous stretch of 28 months. 
That's not designed for you to be there that long. That's why he turned crazy. That's why old Jerry turned nuts. <laughs> that's some place to be for 28 months. I mean, I mean, but Stokes had is it was five hell weeks then? Because there was, I mean, no, left. the only one with five hell weeks is. Um, I thought it was instructor Shay. Shay has five hell weeks. Really? That's, yeah. That's too, that's one too many hell weeks. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, four, four is reasonable. But yeah, five? four makes sense. Four, <laughs> yeah, four. Four, four makes you normal. Five, yeah. you're just outright batshit crazy at that point. Uh, so I guess I, I, weakling, I am. I only did two. <laughs> so there was, so I was, you know, I had my stress fractures in my left tibia um, during Hell Week in the, mid, in the middle of it right? on Wednesday, t- Tuesday, well, Tuesday afternoon. Oh man, because well, Wednesday is that hump day where you could actually get rolled forward, but we don't want any of that now going on. No, so sir. I rolled backwards all the way to the beginning. Um, I had to be rolled about three different class. Three, I had to be rolled for three classes to get back roll. in. So you got a fracture. Yeah, it was it was a fracture. You know, you know, with stress yeah. fractures, you you uh, have to do an MRI scan. I can see. Scan could see plenty well on just the x-ray yeah i had them in yeah. my second roll yeah. so nice good fracture right in the tibia and, um i could feel it pop too run under the boat on, on the when we're running to chow on tuesday Oof. and uh you know you kind of keep going because you're like oh that hurt but you know you keep going for a little bit and then then you sit down for chow and then you get back up and you boom, you, boom, you fall boom, right there boom, yeah, boom, it's, right. yeah that's something's throbbing. wrong I, then you get that question are you hurt or injured right. <laughs> you need to go to medical yeah, you're hurt or injured because there's a difference. <laughs> well, I mean, I got shin splints bad too when we first started running in the yeah. uh, in the boots. So I thought that's what that was. Yeah, and most of us probably do right until you have to go oh. and get that damn bone scan. But yeah. better hope it's it comes out the way you want it to because if it doesn't, oh, then, then, yeah, then, then you quit. They got you yeah. right there, man. Because yeah. then you have to go back to get re. Uh, yeah, sorry, yeah. There's actually nothing wrong with you. Um, <laughs> there was de- there was definitely something wrong with me. <laughs> so. I uh, had to do it all over again. Went went fine the second time. And you know, I, I like to tell this story. And in, in, what in class, Dan? I don't so mean to oh, interrupt. Sorry. So I started with two six one, and and my my I graduated two six four. Right. You know, in two six one Hell Week, you know, you do that two mile timed run in Hell Week. Yeah. Remember that thing? And everybody's Hate like, it. and yeah. And the first time you do it, you're like, well, this is a marathon, not a sprint. So there's, you know, you don't have a whole lot of incentive to to do well on it. And um, <laughs> me, I was I was barely moving by then, right? Because leg was hurting so bad so i was dead last dead last and then you have to do it all over oh. again because if you're you know if you're not the top whatever five or however the instructors you're doing it again think about it yeah you do it again so i was dead last i mean by a huge margin you know dead last because i could i could barely move um second hell week first by by an enormous margin wow uh, like i think I, you know, I was like running like seven minute miles on, on that one wow so you know you fail once that's fine but you know it's it's the same, no matter. I mean, if you, one time or the second time, it's it it sucks, right? Yeah, it's the same time. I mean, it, oh, for sure. Can't, can't practice that to get good. No. That just sucks. But, no, but no. what I love to hear, and if you don't mind to to just interrupt the the process of the quit, the never you're never quit stories in the continuation. Yeah, people love of hearing it. bud stories, man. Uh, yeah, <laughs> is is can you describe the mentality that you had starting? day one phase one again and what you went into it because you have a two-month yeah. waiting period right plus the time catching just, just up just to get to back where you were yes man, yeah you got one before that uh officer so rollbacks yeah. you got oh one shot, they man. take you, the yeah. hammer man so oh, roll me what was the worst oh, I mean, yeah god i will I mean, never be an instructor you know i won't say his name you might be selected duty but God, he, he had his. This is rollback land, right? Because you're still in buds. You're just hanging out. You're hold not on, hold classed on. up. Tell, tell us his name and we'll beep it out because I want to know if uh, I know. Yes, it's real. I don't think. Yeah. 
He's an evil little tiny Filipino. He's an evil. Two nine, two two nine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Evil. Anyway, he was in charge of the rollbacks, and uh, and he didn't like the way we did the watch bill for some reason over the holidays. There was something he didn't like. It it really wasn't that bad. Um, And he said, "Okay," he said, "Uh, "Gentlemen, you and your senior enlisted will be wet for this entire week. You'll follow first phase around with me, and you'll." Don't have to do anything except just never be dry <laughs> in January. Epic. Just, he's just, Epic. just never be dry. So we'd be like, that was maybe the most, we called it, we eventually called it Blood Week. Nice. In, in honor of his day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, it was, it was just ridiculous. And so we, we found there was some, there's certain water sources in the Bud's compound that you can find that have warm water coming out. We'd fill our canteens with those and we'd just like, we'd douse ourselves with warm water. So he's like, he's like, because he'd always look at us. He's like, are you dripping? I don't see anything dripping off because of you. Because it's cold steaming anyways, right? <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. That right. was, man, that was maybe one of the worst. And like to where the guys in first phase would look at us and be like, yeah. ah, man, <laughs> that you guys are just getting <laughs> hammered. So, and, and then we finally get to start buds like months later. And by the way, you know, I'm on, oh, there's, let's, let's go through one yeah. more quick anecdote. Uh, another instructor who just really liked me, I guess, and he wanted me to follow around first phase for a few days too while they were in their hydro hell week. Mm. And he'd have me out on so much cru- fun. I was still on crutches, so I'd follow again, not even in butts. I'm I'm going nowhere with my life at this point. <laughs> like you're just, <laughs> you're, just, and you're getting beat. You're for in. It. You're just yeah, there. You're, you're just there. You're, you're just, just in limbo. Just get your ass you're just beat, there. Yeah. Purgatory. Like yeah, you're in purgatory, and and they would have me crutch in and out of the surf zone. <laughs> I love it. I love like, it. These guys at Hydro Hell Week are like looking at us just like laughing their asses off. I mean, they just loved it. And he, and he had, he would have me do, he's like, I want you to get up on one leg on one of the pylons there and just do Miyagi. Mr. Miyagi. <laughs> Did he make crutches. you fly with uh, your, oh, absurd. Okay. God and then, then we finally get to start buds and, oh. you know, how do I feel? I'm pretty fired up. I mean, you're, God, by the mm. time you're like, get to start again, it's so exciting and you're just, you're fired up. You're just ready to crush it. You're, you're thinking of stupid things you can do to look more motivated to the instructors. Like, oh, we man. should be like Spartans. And everyone's like, no, like pirates. And like, whatever. Like, <laughs> just whatever, like, dumb butts idea you can think of. Like, you know, huh. and just, just to like seem like the most motivated class ever. Totally. And But they, then they still don't think you're motivated. And everybody's like, what are we doing wrong? And like, it's just the mind games. I love start. it. And when you spend that time on that crutch crew, man, because you're, you're seeing what, it slip away, but you're getting that energy back to go. That was yeah. that was the only the run. fuel. Yeah, that was the only run. I think I passed by a couple seconds. Yeah, my class up run. Yeah, yeah. You know, you're fired <laughs> up, and that and that's what I mean. Like you're so fired up that you know, my first my first round of Hell Week dead last. Second time, first by a mile. You know, because you just you're just fired up, and you just you you. There's no reason to get first place. There's not really any good incentive, frankly. But sure there is. Except except that that's what team guys do, and you you know that's Amen. what team guys do. Um, like why, you know, and you're motivating your boys to be like, listen, we got to get first on this chow run. Well, why? We're not going anywhere. Well, because we have to, you know, because, because you'll, because years later you'll remember that that's oh, what hell, you'll that's be on game. some crazy podcast telling the yeah. story about yeah. how you went from last to first. That's right. why. Well, if you don't do it, that's, you get kicked out for no motivation. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And, and you can possibly get kicked out. That, yeah. That's true. That is, <laughs> there, there is that. There is right? some. Yeah. But, but you, can, way, you, can also, you can also kind of glide through. We all know totally. that to an extent, but nobody wants to. Yeah, it pays to be a winner. Oh, There's agree, not a big time winner. Yeah. You're just hanging out there long enough means you put a whooping on your boys. And totally. Totally yeah. as fast as the slowest man, so... 
I love it. All right, so you move through, you get through first phase, second phase, you graduate buds, you go into SQT. T- talk about that that process and getting finally getting to a platoon after that extensive pipeline and what that feeling was like as, as you know, coming from where you're coming from and what you had to go to get there. Because obviously, you know, when, when we were going through, it was pre-9-11. So it's definitely a different mentality. What was, share with our listeners what that was like to finally get to a platoon where the potential to go to war was there. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's exciting, right? And uh, I was joining Team 3, and they were already in Iraq. So we went straight overseas. You know, I mean, you're, it's exciting. I don't know how else to describe it. You, you get your bird. It's like, wow, I mean, that feeling... And somebody slams it into your chest and, you know, and it's nothing just, like it. it's just, it's great. Like there's, there really is nothing like it in the world. And then you get to go right overseas. Wow. You know, just kind of doing junior officer stuff, you know, running convoys, helping out with platoon things. I ended up in Basra for a while and it was, it was a cool appointment. Learned a lot. Um, went back, started, started the official workup, of course, with, um, you know, with, uh, trial, yeah, trial platoon, SEAL team three. And, uh, 2010, we were deployed to Ramadi, and uh, another great deployment for me. Uh, I actually got to take over as platoon commander. I was a I was technically assist. I wasn't a third O on that deployment. I was an assistant platoon commander, and our platoon commander had to leave uh, for good reasons, not like he was right. in trouble he, or he anything. Got, he, he just, got he shit just canned, yeah, he right? just, yeah, no, no, he yeah. was. Uh, he went to Afghanistan, and uh, so I took over. And it was just an incredible opportunity for me. Got you know planning out every op, getting the guys out, doing what awesome. you're supposed to do as an officer, which is just getting the boys the right work, you know, the right, the relevant work, making a difference cool. in the country. And uh, I think I was, I'm proud of proud of a lot of things we did there. And uh, next stop, Afghanistan, 2012, and you know that that's really the deployment that obviously changed my life. Um, all right, so what happened? Can you walk us through that? So, so, yeah, about six months into that deployment, you know, we'd gone through the winter, we'd gone through the, the spring, and now we were in the middle of summer in June. And we were, we were lucky because, I mean, we, were, we would go out for days at a time, but we had a pretty decent home life, I guess. You know, like everybody's got their room. We got showers. It's, it's on Kandahar Airfield. It's a, it's a well-endowed base. Um, but one day... One day, this was not really a planned mission. It was more of a quick reaction force type mission to help some Marine Special Operations guys out in Helmand, uh, just across the border in Sangin Province, or, or Sangin, not Helmand Province, Sangin. Sangin. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they'd been in a firefight all day. They'd, they'd taken a lot of fire from some nearby compounds, called in close air support on that. They were out of batteries, out of ammo, but we wanted to maintain a presence in that area. Uh, so we were happy to help out, of course, and you know, run to the sound of, sound of gunfire, of course. Uh, so I got on that op, and uh, we always come in uh, around the middle of the night, maybe two or three a.m. It's still dark, and then we kind of hole up somewhere and then start moving out. The reason we do that is so that they don't have time to to arm the IEDs, because I mean, everywhere we go, that's our number one threat. We're not too concerned about getting shot at. We're concerned about the IEDs. Even when you do get shot at, you just stay there, right? Don't move. Uh, you know, because they're we we'd rather just not get blown up. I mean, that is a hundred percent the the biggest threat there. And uh, so we moved out, hit another compound, just kind of hole up in as we're sort of moving through the territory there, and uh, still clearing this 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 one sort of courtyard into this house. And 
And one of my uh, Afghan interpreters was running across to answer a question and stepped on a pressure plate, blew up in you know four or five different pieces. And I was hit by that. You know, I just happened to be squared up with him, looking straight at him. And I was blinded immediately, thrown off my feet, not really sure what happened. You kind of you kind of just pause and assess at that moment. Uh, I immediately just felt my legs, unsure what happened. Okay, still have legs. I really don't know what that was. Kind of felt like got hit by a truck while simultaneously people in the truck are blasting you with shotguns. Wow. You know, that's you sort of, yeah. <laughs> also throwing Tabasco sauce in your eyes. Oh. You know, just, <laughs> just, that's a, if I were to describe what getting blown up felt like, that's sort of what it felt like. Um, and just like a real punch to the gut. I mean, it was just, and, and you know, obviously the blast is closer to my gut than it is my face. So that's really why it felt that way. Um, tore me up pretty badly. Um, you know, I was blind. I don't think I realized I was blind. I really, I never assumed I was actually blind for some reason. I don't know why. Um, you know, I just thought there was dirt in my eyes and that that was fine. And, and you do what you're supposed to do in that situation. You just don't, you don't freak out. Uh, your guys eventually get to you and, uh, you know, you, you crack a joke with them. I, I told my buddy, Chris, I'm like, uh, Chris, <laughs> he's like, what, what? I'm like, just don't ever get blown up, dude. <laughs> They're like, really sucks. <laughs> Metal note, you know, don't yeah, get blown he's up. He's like, I got it. I wasn't planning on it. Thank you, though. <laughs> I wasn't planning on it either, damn it. Pay attention. <laughs> but it well, happened. Yeah. You know, like, remember I told you I was accident prone? Yeah. Like, the, this was not my first, you know, rodeo and, and being accident prone. And like, be- before this deployment, all the guys were like, man, I don't, I think we're going to be fine. Cause like, if we're getting shot at, it'll probably go around me and hit Dan. Like, <laughs> and then, and then that joke wasn't so funny. Like, Hey guys, Dan's really hurt. Well, <laughs> like, we should, <laughs> well, they waited probably like 30 days before they started it up again. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah, not, that 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 long. Long. <laughs> not that long. As soon as you find oh. out you're alive, you're, it's yeah, coming, yeah, man. Yeah, so a- we, we had Brad Snyder on, who's a EOD yeah, guy, guy. Yeah, amazing human being. And he talked about losing his sight. And, you know, he has, you know, that same acknowledgement of, oh, do I have my legs? Am I still here? Mm-hmm. And, you know, he even talks about the sense of relief. Like, he, he actually thought he was dead, but then he was alive and that sense of relief, like, oh, my God, I'm still here. Yeah. You know, it's it's going to be okay type right. thing. Did you go through something like that at all? Ah, I don't know. Like, I, I don't think I ever thought that I wasn't. That's hard. I, I don't think I ever had that kind of existential, you know, question. Um, but it, you definitely wonder, right? And, and, and you do. You just feel everything, right? Like, it's like that's your first First thing, um, you know, everything hurts real bad. Uh, my, my, again, like my gut really, really hurt. You know, my eyes didn't. So I just assumed my eyes were fine. Um, I, was, I was very wrong. And like, I think, you know, when guys saw me, like they were like, oh, wow, like something's, this guy really got messed up. Um, wow. I don't have even pictures of that. I don't really know. I only, the first picture I have of myself is, you know, a good week of healing. And it looks, oh, wow. it looks pretty bad. It looks like somebody got hit with a truck and then shot in the face with the shotgun. Yeah. Um, and it's just it's just what it looks like and it's uh i don't even i can't imagine what it was like at that moment um you know they're also dealing with one of our one of our with our interpreter he was again he was he lost both legs both arms it was it was that kind of ied it was very hard ground 
Um, it was a big difference when you get blasted with something that's in soft dirt and and one that's like hard packed rock. They also had bolts and things packed into it. I had bolts coming out of my hands. Wow. Um, you know the, the the things they removed from my from my eye was all metal. Uh, I've had metal little rocky things just come out of my face over the years. Um, so a lot of that it just it changes the changes the damage uh, quite a bit. You know, so. About 45 minutes later, Medivac Hilo comes in, um, gets me out of there. I was able to, I was able to walk and, and get to it on my own. Uh, well, somebody had to kind of, I had to be guided there, of course. But you know, you know, don't don't take your buddies out of the fight and make them carry you um, if you can help it, right? And like that's that's uh, that's what we remember. You know, you just kind of, you really do fall back on your training. You really do. It, it, that stuff really, really matters because you've already figured out that you can probably get through just about anything. And, uh, you know, and then so that when you are tested, you know that it'll, you know that you can get through it. And um, it's just, it's, it's not even, there's, I wonder if people are always asking, like, what can I do? Well, just honestly, just, just mental games, you know, it, like, what can I do? Just think about it. Think about what w- you would do. And if you've already thought about it and something truly challenging happens, you probably get through it because you've at least thought about it and you've at least thought, and, and you'll, and your brain automatically goes back to that kind of reptilian sense of of just instinct and like, what am I supposed to do? Well, I'm not supposed to freak out, right? Like, I learned that, learned that in pool comp. Like, don't <laughs> don't freak out. Uh, just and if and don't quit. Drown yourself before you quit. <laughs> like all pertinent yeah, laws to right. follow, right? And like you really you remember those things and you remember to keep a sense of humor because we're we're really SEAL teams. We're pretty good at dark humor. You know, the best. Again, again you, you laugh at somebody before you help them, and then you help them. But <laughs> you, you, you got to get a quick laugh, shot in, right? Well, first. I mean, that repetitive motion that we go through over and over again—that's ultimately what we are—is a master of the basics, right? And then you, know, you something about when you you're on target, you get popped at night, man. You're still on target, so you, you're still switched on. I mean, you don't have time to realize you're hurt until there's white sheets. And someone's telling you that you're hurt, kind of deal. It doesn't. It doesn't come off, and that that basic train, everything goes through. Yeah. Another good thing, it's dark. You're helmeted up. Guys aren't. I mean, they can't really see too much because once we get around you, and then it's that self push, right? Don't take anybody offline. Don't take morphine. Yeah. I'll take a little bit of morphine. Just, just a little bit. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. A little bit of fentanyl, right? Like there. Injuries. Like, oh. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love it, dude. All right. So fast forward, you make it off the X. You get back. Did they start surgeries there or went? Did you have to get to Germany oh. before they started doing any yeah. of that stuff at all? Really, no. Uh, I was in a coma. <laughs> Check uh, Roger. Yeah. Uh, huh. as, soon as, as soon as I got on the medevac bird, you know, again, they, they could see the damage that was done. So they put me in, they, they knocked me out That's right fine. away. And uh, I didn't wake up for, you know, five or six days. And oh, wow. when, I, when I did wake up, I had been through surgery. Um, I'd been unstable. My, my body just tends not to react well to being put under. That's just been a history with me and they didn't have my history right there with them that was a <laughs> you know as it turns out it was kind of an emergency so uh but uh i was it turns out I was, it was, an a, I was in a medically induced coma for a while okay and then and then i i vividly remember waking up uh with the the tubes getting pulled out of my mouth and uh you know i, I figured okay I'm, i must be in a hospital somewhere i'm still blind uh they, they eventually got around to telling me okay your right eye has been removed we'll We'll see about a left eye uh, where it's not looking good, but you know, there's, there's a chance. And I'm like, check, there's a chance. That's fine. Um, again, really, really some sort of self-deception onto what really, how, how grave my, 
my uh, future was with respect to vision and, and being ever being able to ever see again. And I spent a couple days in Landstuhl. Uh, some good friends of mine had, had flown up with me so that I had people there. Um, I was unable to move, honestly, like could really barely move my even even my limbs. It was so swollen and just so torn up. Uh, you know, no real permanent damage on these things, uh, but but just just your body just in complete shock still, and um, you know, unable to even kind of turn over and, and let alone get out of bed. That was not happening at least for a few more days, and uh, and also hallucinating. I was hallucinating wildly. Like it's kind of you know people talk about phantom pain with their limbs. Yeah. Well, there there's I forget the medical term for it, but there is something that with your when you lose an eye traumatically or lose vision traumatically. Yeah, it has to be both eyes. Sorry, yeah, lose vision completely in a traumatic way. Um, those 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 nerve endings, that optic nerve, keeps firing, and it, for me, it was firing, giving me visuals of what I'd last seen, which was 100% Afghanistan. So I was Your just imprint, ocular acuity, man. All that stuff right. still generates. That's yeah. the brain path. Yeah, the, we should have. Uh, your brother's not here to tell us the. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What Morgan? Scientist. Yeah, right. <laughs> Text him up. Let's yeah, find yeah. out what that means. That's why yeah. you have to cover both, even if you have a single injury, because one will activate the other. Yeah, and then switches. There's an optic chiasm behind the eyes and rotates over. Those nerve paths go in, and everything's electrical impulses. I know that much. So, did you, this cost, did you just black out and just uh, become yeah, a right. scientist? And that's like, what, how you debate. What did you just have? And that's how <laughs> just, holy, he does this, so Dan. No, yeah. he does this every now and then. I forget he was that's a amazing. Bad, he was a badass Corbin, right? Yeah, I mean, right. All right, yeah, all right, all right. So you you hit this point, and all of a sudden. When did the, the the gravity of the situation finally start to settle in? And when was the point where you're like, this is not going to define me? Uh, the gravity failed to, to set in for a while. Uh, so let's see, you know, hallucinations, Wiley, that, that really tore me apart. Like, you know, you're, you're in a deep, wow. dark place there. I'm only, I look over to my friends and I see an Afghan guy sitting next to me. I look around, I see village. Like, that's just what I saw all the time. It never went away. Um, and I knew it wasn't real. So like it, my, my mental capacity was definitely there. Uh, but I, but I was constantly seeing things and, uh, you know, I, or my fall, if I, the little I could sleep, I might fall asleep for a few minutes and then wake up from a dream and then see the dream and can't get out of it you could not escape the dream it was it was kind of it was, it was truly living in a nightmare for days and days and days um you know flew back to the bethesda um uh you know with this kind of big surgery coming up right like it's because i got to remove the cataract because there's a chance right so i'm like uh you know being yeah, a team right. guy, i'm like you better get this done and because i gotta play i got places to be yeah i, I gotta, gotta get I back with my I, platoon i don't have time for this you know like you know, I don't know why the flights aren't leaving. Like, you know, there's there's a thing in my eye. You're supposed to get it out. Why? Are, what are we waiting on? Um, they want to get me, you know, they want to do it back in Bethesda. So that's what we did. Uh, we get there. And uh, a few days, we finally scheduled the surgery to remove the cataract. Um, before that even happened, or actually maybe right after that happened, and, you know, they thought maybe the surgery went well. Not sure. I mean, they're like, they, they know that my retina didn't detach or anything. So that's that's really the, the fear. Um, surgery went well, still hallucinating wildly because I still can't see anything. Like we're not willing to take the bandages off just yet. And uh, finally, you know, a nurse who's got her, her head screwed on well was just like, how long has this been going on? And my wife's like, well, she wasn't my wife then, but you know, Tara, my wife now, um, she said, uh, for the whole time, 
the, the whole time this has been going on. And the nurse said she, he's going to have severe PTSD, like unrecoverable PTSD, if we don't stop this. And they so to stop it, they huh. basically gave me a bunch of Ativan, anti-anxiety drug, and that 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 made it go black. Uh, oh, and it was, man. it was just it was just like heaven on earth for me. Um, oh, well, actually, the relief actually, actually, of that. Well, actually, first what happened is I saw Christmas. I saw I saw I was in like this Candyland Christmas Christmas land for about three hours. Never forget it. Whoa, and, uh, dude! And then, and then, and then it all went black, and like that was that Bring was that Christmas. was that was huge real. It was a huge that relief. Was cool, like, not cool. Wait a minute. <laughs> let me take. Cool. Let me back that statement up. That's yeah. not cool. But wow, that's cool. It was. It was weird. <laughs> it was pretty cool. Uh, it was cool that it it worked um, and that it ended. Yeah, yeah. So it ended. Um, you know, recovered slowly from that. You kind of you take some bandages off. Okay, I can see and like. The first thing I saw was the American flag. Because oh, uh, they had this big flag like you guys do in here, yeah. like right at the foot of my bed that everybody would come in and sign. And they're like, do you know what that is? And, you know, I'm like, yeah, I think it's the American flag. And everybody's like happy, you know, because we're, we're, we're sticking steps forward. Because hmm. there was very, because they removed the cataract, but they can't replace it with a lens, which is, you know, what you normally would do. A cataract surgery is really not a big deal. Right. It's a big deal on me because, you know, picture it this way. When you get a when you get a cataract surgery, you're essentially removing the window pane because it's all messed up. You're removing the window pane from a window and you're replacing it with a new one. With me, you can't do that because the frame is all broken. You'd have to replace, Whoa. you know, you'd have to put the window pane and on like and sew it to some curtains or something. And that's that's how they would have had to do it, and they were very reluctant to do so. They didn't stop me from demanding it almost on a daily basis. Ow! Yeah, now I got places to be. Right, I am so, a UDT Navy SEAL. Yeah. I want it done. <laughs> yeah, it says it on the door. Read. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, uh, and so, you know, you keep asking me when the, the gravity of the situation set in, and it's, God, it never did because it was just, it cool. was just self deception. It was, it was self deception. Oh, I love that. The whole time. Um, you know, I'm like, so you're saying there's a chance? I guess, okay, for me, that's 100% chance. And, uh, and that that self deception is helpful to me because it, it 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 stopped me from going too crazy. <laughs> I think, right? Mm. Uh, you know, and the and, wonderful and, concept. Can you have you had you used that before in your life? Did you use it during your mom's sickness? Is this something that you had perfected, or was it because of the situation that it intensified it and you utilized it as your greatest asset yeah. well, in that moment? Self deception means that uh, like failure is not an option. So like, I, I think that's maybe that's what I mean by that. So if you know you're going to be okay, if you know you're going to make it, you will make it. But you have to know that, and you have to you have to really dig believe deep, and, and you have to believe it. And that's how you get through buds. You know, because like <sighs> we say sometimes, like you were a seal before you got to buds, but you had to get here, prove it, and then we had to train you. But you already knew, you already knew you were going to make it, and you can't get through buds if it's an option. If failure is ever an option. You can't make it through because it's the, the, that the quitting is too tempting. Totally. You know, like the, the donuts and the coffee, they say it every freaking night. <laughs> like, <laughs> so warm. We like, will remember, find you, you a know, job in the Navy. Going yeah. around the yeah. world and you're off, off the coast of Coronado and your little boat and it's freezing and you're hallucinating and you're like, and you look up at those condos, the nice, oh. like you can see people, you yeah. can see people in their living rooms just having the greatest time. And, and, and like, again, it's so tempting, but, but if you know that it was never an option, to quit yeah then you won't because you're in your mind you're just like well god i just got to get through this one thing again so that i so that i can keep focusing on the goal 
So it requires mental preparedness. And, you know, there's nothing you can do except starting now. Start now saying, I'll, I, I, I will never quit. I will, oh, I always know I can make it through anything. Nothing is too tough. So that when the time does come, you're used to it. And like your, your brain is already wired that way. And, uh, some people starts from an early age and some people it doesn't, but it, like, it's, it's something you, you have to start now. So you, you, you make it through this, you, you, you come out the other end. Obviously they, they saved a, a, some of your vision in, in your left eye, right. your, your, your right eye is gone. Now, all of a sudden, you know, what happens next for you? I, obviously you kept, you stayed in for a few more years before you got medically re- retired, mm-hmm. but was it the same for you? Yeah, I mean, I have to, I have to turn to the right more. So there's like, <laughs> like, like, like that's, definitely have to do God, that. People yeah. fuck with me more on my right side. I, I, I spill things easier. Uh, no, but I mean, the left eye never really, it, you know, it never truly recovered. I demanded a lot more surgery. I really wanted that to them to fix my cataract. To where the doctors eventually had to be like, "Listen, we're we're not doing it. It's too risky." And also, there was kind of another, you know. A traumatic issue that happened after that surgery we were all kind of clapping our hands and slapping each other on the back because the cataract surgery went well meaning my eye didn't explode that's what we meant by meant well wow. you know the doctors were still like well he can still barely see out of it like it's really he's just not totally blind like that's essentially the medical assessment of that um the idea that i would ever see 2020 again was completely off the table completely wow uh it was like you know a chance of like one or two percent uh and then and then they found a hole in my retina so it was like one oh, no. just shot to the gut after another, and a that, piece of frag that went through there. Yes, yeah. um, multiple pieces of frag, but but the one little copper wire in particular that that really screwed me. And um, so the hole in your re- when you get a hole in your retina, a macular hole, it expands because there's the there's a membrane on the back of your retina that's from a scientific perspective nobody's really sure why it's there, but what it does is it creates tension, and if you do get a hole that hole will expand. And so the, the conversation was then, well, if we do this surgery to remove that membrane, which will stop the hole from expanding, uh, there's a really good chance it'll detach the retina because his eye is so fragile and he'll go blind right away. But if we don't do it, he's just going to go blind slowly. So let's go ahead and do the surgery. And again, very routine surgery. This is, you know, older folks get this done stuff done all the time. It's really not a big deal. For me, it's very risky. Huge. So, you know, do it. And again, like, that self-deception really kicks in because I'm just not even worried about it. I'm just like, check, you guys yeah. will, you guys will be fine. You guys know what you're doing, um, and like, I just kind, I just kind of know it'll be okay. I don't know why. I, I don't. I can't tell you why that was. It was. It was. But uh, you know, maybe that was just God working through me and kind of giving me the strength Amen. to just believe. Amen. And when you believe something, I, I, I believe that you actually heal. Like, I mean, it's belief is powerful. Um, and we got through it, and I was blind again <laughs> for weeks. Uh, because to recover from that particular surgery, you have to, you know, you, they put a gas bubble in your eye. You have to stare straight down for like two, three, or actually my wife would disagree. I thought it was two weeks. I think it was actually more like six. Oh, wow. Um, so you're just blind again oh. and I'm just listening to audiobooks all day long. <laughs> not the worst life. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, right? You uh, learned a lot. Yeah, not really. They were dumb books. <laughs> I, don't even, I don't remember. I don't remember anything I heard. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So, uh, but, it, it, but, but we got through it and, um, you know, and then we slowly trying to figure out how I could see again because you know, I, I don't have a lens. So you know, right now I'm wearing a, a very special contact without it. I wouldn't even know you guys are in the room. Okay. I, I really can't see. 
Um, but with this thing, it's correctable to 2020 vision. It's just incredible. Wow. That is awesome. It is. I mean, <laughs> that's incredible. It, it is because it's just, it's just so far from what they thought they could do. Um, because my eye managed to heal as well. I mean, it's, you know, the, the, it's really just a contact lens and it's, it's a good contact lens. Um, but they just didn't think my eye would be able to even handle it. Wow! And even and even get to that point because there's cornea damage. There's still debris in there uh, that they just it just doesn't make sense to try and remove it. And uh, it took it took years, by the way, to get to that point. Yeah. Um, you know, trying out different contacts, uh, different glasses, and but about four months later, we we're back on the range. Uh, you know, back at Shaw's in Mississippi, or you know, our our team guy just most wonderful place ever. Ever. Yeah. It's, ever. It's. And uh, trying to learn to shoot left-handed uh, with the rifle because I was I was really trying to get back into the platoon and at the team level we were okay with that getting back in the platoon that was just there again it just kind of goes back to this like no other option kind of mentality if you think there exactly. are no other options then you don't have that I guess mental struggle of like quitting because it's not an option so, I got back online I mean this is what we what we are yeah period yeah. this is what I do for a living. Right. Yep. Don't give yourself the option, and 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 I think that was that was that's the lesson when people ask me like, is the normal route when you have traumatic injuries in the military is to definitely go through your, your medical retirement. I and mean, guys just resist that, you know, in the teams. Like we resist it heavily, and um, and and it was just you know, there's some things just aren't enough to stop you. I think, and and that was one of them. Um, so I wanted to get back. I was trying to train at Shaw's to get back into it. And uh, I wasn't able to get back to the platoon. You know, long story short, just the the administrative issues, the 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 need for a medical waiver, and just everybody kind of he and hawing about. Oh, I don't know if we're allowed to do this. So I ended up staying at Special Reconnaissance Team One, and um, you know, deploying in obviously different capacity with those with that team. Uh, still back with SEAL Team Three, more in an intel intel related role, and and doing a lot of great things. I'm very proud of. Um, you know, deploying to the Persian Gulf and working in Lebanon, and then uh, my last deployment, in 2016, working in Korea. Wow! And then you finally make the decision to separate. And well, I didn't really make that decision. <laughs> I, I, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. being gentle with yeah. you. They kicked, finally they kicked your ass out of the <laughs> SEAL teams. They got rid of you to move. You know, make room for ne- junior officers coming in for sure. But well, it was it was the reason I had to get out. I'll, I'll clarify that. Yeah, it tell was, us because that's a big deal with transitioning. Yeah, and it, it's a massive thing. It was it was too hard to to keep trying to kick that can down the road. It was too hard to keep battling the system. Um, it really got to a point to where I wasn't I wouldn't be allowed to go overseas anymore. And if I stayed in, it it would really be a glass ceiling in my career. If you, if you can't medically for medical reasons, if you can't technically be deployed, even though we all know that I'm easily deployable, um, you know on by by the technicality of it on your dive physical you know you can't dive and therefore you're not allowed to jump even though I still jump out of airplanes you know for fun yep yep um you're technically not allowed to because of our strict medical requirements they're pretty funny about keeping operational team guys completely on that operation yeah, no matter totally. how much we try and chug and jive yeah. yeah and so it just it became an uphill battle that was that, that had to that had to be ended and uh, you know at the commodore level they made that decision like you know, you've really got to go through the medical retirement process right. um, or or become uh, on the you know uh, permanent limited duty list which means you can never leave com- you know, lim- totally. never leave the US and it's just not wasn't worth it so um, it made it made sense it was it was it was an understanding that just this made the most sense and and so now you separate and and you go through the transition of saying all right 
you fought so hard to stay on for so long and and it, the decisions made for you where where in that space did you go all right i i know what i want to do with my life or did you and and how long did it take to where all of a sudden you're like hey man I, i'm gonna run for congress <laughs> right which is not that by the way. yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's right? that's I mean, that's... Well, if you've been listening to this, to my story no, so far. No, I, 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 I got it. a lot it. of nuttiness. I'll have to go. Gotta go this route here. Yeah. Uh, well, okay. So, leaving the teams that I think the... Wanted, I still wanted to pursue kind of my passions in public service, right? That's that, that, that got me up in the morning, you know, knowing that I was serving and I wanted that to keep getting me up in the morning. It was, it was just, it was hard for me to imagine looking for a job in some kind of industry. Um, I didn't know what that would be, um, but I did know I wanted to do a little bit more of the same and keep contributing that way. I mean, because you so, went to Tufts, had you gone to Harvard yet for masters? Or no, anything? so this is where okay. I was, this is okay. where I made that decision. You know, I'm transitioning. Uh, I should probably go to school. You know, and, and and do my master's degree. And so that's what I did. I chose Harvard because of its, you know, obviously, obviously its emphasis on public policy. Well, the New uh, York School domestic. government is phenomenal. It's one of the best yeah, in the, yeah. in a, in it's, the world. It's it, and especially for domestic policy. If you're interested in U.S. politics and economics and, and national security policy, it's it's definitely one of the best. Right. Um. You know. So we I did the the mid career program there, and um, graduated. I, I assume that you would just get a job as soon as you graduate Harvard. It turns out that's no. not the case. No. No. I thought, no. thought they just kind of signed you up for one. Like, nope. Uh-uh. Yeah. All right, right. I'm yeah. here. And like, I've never looked for jobs before. <laughs> I haven't. You know, it's just, it's a different world. Transition. Yeah, we just train for them. Yeah. They give us yeah. our jobs. You know, right. we train for them. Yeah. 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 You, you know, you, you're going to, you're just going to do really good at whatever job you get, but. Someone's got to give me that job. Right. Yeah. And um, no, transitioning is, it's not fun. I, like, you know, we talk about it a lot in the veteran community and, um, it's it's a challenge. There's there's a lot of help out there. Uh, there's almost too many organizations sometimes to choose from to, to get that help. But uh, we're always looking for that next mission, especially as a SEAL. Like Amen. that's we're very mission oriented, and we 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 care a lot about purpose and like what what is driving us and what is our purpose in life and what's our identity. We're, I think those things are very powerful and connected. Us. They're yeah, connected. Identity yeah. and purpose are are, are really yes. interwoven together, and very difficult to to clearly define if right. if you don't have that mission, right? Right, right. I mean, you know, you ask a lot of people like, "What defines you?" And somebody might say, "Oh, I'm Texan," or like, "I'm a I'm a woman," or whatever. I'm not a woman. I'm not saying that. Just yeah, no, no. I was confused. <laughs> I was like, "That's a whole new platform." <laughs> ah, gotcha. Yeah, <laughs> cut that part out. Yeah, check. Uh, uh, but uh. For seals, a hundred percent of the time, right? I think we just say seal. Like I think that that's what defines us. Yep. Um, and, and for everybody, it's different. But for us, it's we're not too many professions where you can put a, a label on what exactly you are. Yeah, and it, it, it matters a great deal to us. When you lose that, uh, it's tough. And uh, but I, at least I, I still had a pretty good idea of what I want to get into. I you know self selected. I, I wanted to to look only at national security jobs or or just ways that I could make an impact on policy. I'd always been you know, very, very interested in all kind of policy discussions, politics, and, uh, and you know, pushing for conservative values. And uh, I hadn't, I, I'd been thinking about elected office for a while, but that, you know, that opportunity hadn't really presented itself. And I figured I'm still young. That's, that's more of a long-term goal. And, uh, you know, worked for, with Pete Sessions for a while, uh, Dallas congressman, really great guy, took me in. 
and you know because my my main goal was also reconnecting with texas uh you know where i grew up and uh mm-hmm. you know looking at maybe working for the governor or working for ted poe here in our district and uh you know but but pete sessions really took me in and um and then one day ted poe announced retirement <laughs> and just you know, like long, that long, long yeah. story short and you know you get the right people who are, who are like you you really got to look into this you have to do this this is the right way for you to make an impact and i'm like i i know it is <laughs> Was so there a delay got, in that, or was it like, hey, I'm going to retire, and everybody looks at, like the, the room stops, everybody goes, er, looks over at you, and like, guess what? Hmm. <laughs> Zero Dark 30, you made it, right? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of... Searching for a path, and one presents itself. Yeah. Bam. Nice. That's, that's, that's shit. what it is. Yeah. That's what it We've is. We've been doing this long enough now that you know when, when, when the door opens, when it's staring you in the face. Right. A lot of people can't see those, those markers. Like we can because of everything we've had to go through, but they don't have the faith they exist. Uh, All right, and it matters. You got to pay attention. So they it hits you. Was there? Because it seems like you know you and your wife have been through a lot of stuff together, man. Oh yeah. And, and now you're out. You've got a master's from Harvard. You you know you've made it through life and death situations. You're ready to go to start getting out there and making some money and 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 changing the lifestyle and. All of a sudden, God says, guess what? You're going to keep serving. Was there a, a, a moment that you guys said, let's not do this. This isn't the right time. This is, you know, maybe we're not prepared. Was any doubt or, you know, did that set, did that play a role? It was the conversations that occurred already, you know, because like I said, we've been thinking about it for a while. So it, it's it's really about the conversations were more around this specific situation like what are the pros and cons it was hard to find downsides to it you know what 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 are the downsides you know i mean yeah putting yourself out there and you know you're, you're getting ripped going, apart we're going up against uh we're going up against very wealthy opponents and uh you know i and, and i expect them to fight <laughs> to fight us pretty hard as we especially as we gain the momentum that we are so yeah there, there can be some downside but but it's if it's if it's for the right reasons um you know, we can come, we can overcome that. And we know that we are doing it for the right reasons. So well, what are those reasons? I mean, what, what is the, what do you actually think that you can do that nobody else seems to be getting done? And I, and I'm sorry to turn this on you like this, but you know, it's important. People want to hear what, what, you know, what, what, what about you, your value system, your belief system, are you going to be able to get, bring to Washington and, and, and get done? Right, and you need to ask yourself, like, what kind of representative do Texans deserve? And they deserve somebody not only that will vote their interest, everybody in the race will vote their interest, but if you think you only deserve one out of 435 votes in the U.S. House of Representatives, well, that's only a quarter or less than a quarter of a percent of influence, and I think Texans deserve a lot more influence than that. I think they deserve somebody with credibility who can speak to these issues, who's been there, done that, who's had people's backs. That, that is so important. You have to show up and you have to be a lion for your cause and a champion for conservative values in, for, in order to be effective. You have to be somebody can, who, that others can look at and say, I'm going to work with this guy because he puts service before self and he cares about the American people more than anything else. You know, he didn't, he didn't spend the last decade building wealthy connections and, and you know, political capital. Mm-hmm. You know, he's, he spent it bleeding on the battlefield and caring about the American people and caring about service more than anything else. I didn't go to Harvard Business School, Harvard Law. I went to the Kennedy School because it's all about public service 
And I, I knew, I, I always known that was the only thing I was going to be interested in. And, and that's, that's how you make the impact. And it's, it's all about impact and, 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 you know, not just agreeing with the policies that we care about, pushing them forward and actually have an influence. And the last thing I'll say on that is it's also bringing people to our side who can make the most persuasive arguments and who can bring young people to our party. Now, and our elected representatives shouldn't, it should feel like a deployment, right? right. I, I don't remember knowing when it was Saturday when I was on deployment. Like, you just don't know because there are no weekend, weekends. Exactly. They don't exist. I love that. Uh, and it shouldn't really, it should be the same with an elected office. And and you do have to work with, with everybody. That doesn't mean you, you give up your values and to fight for them. You have to. Um, but you can find places where you can work together. And sometimes you see that. Sometimes, um, but oftentimes a lot, of, a lot of grandstanding. Sometimes people don't even know why they're arguing for something. You know how you know, it's. Well, we need people who really get these issues, and you know, we look at a world around us right now with the, the national security threats that we face. We need people who have actually been there, done that, have the recent relevant experience. Because you you can have you know you can have your young staff or give you your set of talking points and then grandstand for a while, but that's that's not useful for the American people. No, it's not. It's not useful for our president as he faces these things. Uh, we need people in Congress who actually understand them. Well, I I love those answers, and I and I know you know being just from I don't know a lot, but what I what I do know is there's this wave of veterans that are coming up and rising and continuing their servitude in politics, and and I just want to commend you for making that decision, Dan. One, I think it's just badass that a Navy SEAL, a former team you know teammate, a brother that's that's rogering up for that fight which is the most important fight to somehow bring a country back to the core value system that got us here in the first place. So I, I commend you on that, brother. Well, thank you very much. I One, appreciate that. As we end the show now, we always like to ask our guests, all right, and you've talked about some really powerful concepts of, of the never quit mindset here today. Can you kind of surmise what you've talked about and give some critical things that that person right now that's hallucinating, uh, you know, in their house and don't know which direction to look. And the person that is unable to create the false reality or lie to themselves about the success. What are some things or some ideas that you think could catapult them forward to, to really give them a sense of, Hey, I, I, that never quit mentality, that thing that we all know so well because of our backgrounds. Just can you label a couple? I think the way you get through any kind of hardship is you remember your purpose. And, you know, sometimes people have a hard time finding that purpose and, and realizing what their value is. And I would say this, you're crazy if you think that you don't have some kind of value to offer the world. And that should always be what gets you through something. Like who is counting on you? I love it. And what mm. kind of value do you owe the world? And you can't quit on that because the world needs you and you're a part of it. And there is no other option, right? You can never give yourself that option out. I love that, man. The value of what you owe the world, man, that's mm. genius, brother. I love it. Well, Dan, you know, thank you so much. I know your schedule's insane. I, we really appreciate you coming to the Team Never Quit at HQ for hanging us with us live. Um, where where can people go find you, follow you, pay attention to this process, and and just get on board if they want to want to support you? Well, you can 
we need the support. So please, please, please support. And you can do that at CrenshawForCongress.com. That's C-R-E-N-S-H-A-W-F-O-R Congress.com. And, uh, you know, follow us on Facebook, Twitter. Uh, Facebook is at Crenshaw for Congress. And uh, Twitter is Dan Crenshaw TX. So please follow us. Please support. You can buy T-shirts there. I mean, you know, you can donate. We really need donations. We're going up against big money. We really need your help. So please. Awesome, brother. Well, well, God bless you in this journey. And uh, just thanks for everything you've done for our country. Thanks for your service. And, and God bless you. And thanks yeah, for your well, continued thanks, service. Thank you for having me, guys. Honored to be here. Awesome. Once again, once again, there's a team guy come who came on our show who makes me feel like I'm lazy. <laughs> mm. <laughs> right, mm. dude? He goes, he did he did five deployments, two after he lost his his eyeball, right? He gets out, he goes to Harvard, and now he's running for Congress, man. Do we not come from the greatest bunch of mugs on the planet? Or what? Absolutely. Oh, yeah, it's amazing. And I, I think, as, you know, as we have more and more team guys on here, we explore the other avenues of what they're actually capable of. Because we're on the team to talk about the same stuff. All day, every day. Really? Right. You get in conversations like this, man, you'd have to go home and be with the family or something like that. So you really don't, you, you understand what they're capable of and they'll never open up like this to each other, really. No. And, and, and and we the capacities that we've seen it from all of our all the team guys that have come on here, it's cool, man. And it, just now, there's it's not a surprise you hear somebody talk like that, but it's cool to hear how far somebody can take it. You're right, it ran. We we don't go into the kind of depth and description that we do on this show, even though we say a lot of things that in between the lines we understand. Yeah, that's un, that's, that's what what's about. being talked it, about. It's the the voice that you well, don't hear out. It's the un, that's exactly what it is. We we all know what you're talking about. We don't have to go into depth in it, right? What I love, though, also is that whole concept, what you talk about is you spend the first 40 getting dialed in, the experiences, all that, and then post 40 or 30, whatever it is, you know, you start to apply it at the next level and really where that servitude goes beyond just carrying a gun. Because there's a limitation, right? And we talk about this as podcasters now and the fact that we've reached 4 million people. Four million downloads. Time our shows have been more downloaded four million times. Mm-hmm. That's infinitely bigger than any effect we had carrying that gun. Not to deminimize the efforts we made in those capacities. It's just different, man. And we're actually just giving back what what was given to us. Ah, oh, I love that you put it that way, dude. I mean, we, everything we ever learned was was from the people we we're giving it back to, whether they knew it or not. They're the one that put us together. That's why America's greatest country and what they. What they created in the SEAL teams, that's a collective. That's the, the American people own that, right? So that's why we go through the hell we have to go through just to get in, to have the right, to have that much fun training and learn what we do there. Because it's the ultimate training pipeline. For sure. Sea, air, and land specialists. That wow. never stops. Our physical ability wears out, but our mental capacity keep, you know, improves yeah, and gets keep, better keep, and better. Because I think because we're not spending as much time in the physical realm. For sure. You know what I mean? It's offset a, a little bit. I mean, we still try and push ourselves and wind up getting hurt. And then you kind of slow down in your mental game. <laughs> you know, you, then you got to game it. Right. The older we get, we, we figure it out. It's, and uh, <clears throat> that's the best part about it, man. Just, there is no end. Just death. Just keep going. I love that.
I got a question for you guys that I don't think we he brought it up, but we didn't really dig into the psychology behind it. This idea of self-deception, this belief that simply everything is going to work out fine and refusal to take a, I guess, objective look at it or at least an, an-, an analytical, I see the positives, I see the negatives, I understand the, per- the percentage of success versus failure. What, how do you feel about that? You mind if I, I hop in on this first? Because this is a big component of, of you know, my life and I, I'm a part of as, as as a motivational speaker, as an author for that type of thing and teaching people in the self-help genre, right? Mm-hmm. And what I do for a living. There's a whole misconception around self-deception. If I just read a self-help book and all of a sudden, like, I'm going to just have a positive attitude every day. And, and blow stuff off or whatever, uh-huh. then somehow I'm going to develop the true nature of a never quit mindset. That's mm-hmm. malarkey. Uh-huh. His self-deception is tied to a reference point of, of development that comes through the, the, in, the, the improvement of his physical, mental, and spiritual pain. The recognition that going through training, that watching his mother die, that, uh, you know, being in two hell weeks, going to combat, being blown up, man, he has the capacity to say, you know what? I'm going to be okay because he has a reference point mentally, emotionally, spiritually. He's already got the proof. He's lived through it. He's seen examples. Yes. He's not just going into this blind, blind hope. He's seen this in the past. A hundred percent. So those listeners, as you hear these guests like this, that have these stories, right? And, and say things like self-deception, it's not, he, he's not blindly leading, lying to himself about, hey, it's, it's all rose-colored glasses. And we're using a lot of visual metaphors here, which is interesting because he's blind. But I, I think be, it, there, you have to recognize you have to have a reference point of failure, of pain, that you can climb through those hardships, make it to, to where you start really believing. Marcus, what you are saying, man, that, man, I, I, I got beat down, but I'm going to be okay. Well, I, don't, I mean, you can label it whatever you want. That's what it is, is a label. Ultimately, it's just, I, I'm not going to quit. And not only that, I'm not going to think about the bad things that come if I was to quit. Because if a lot of people do that, they're like, oh, I've got this powerful motivation that too, but then they think about all the bad stuff that's going to happen. I don't even think about that. I think about that crap when it gets here. Other than that, and they're like, oh, it's going to be, it's going to suck. It's going to take forever. Well, I ain't got nothing else going on. I know that's a long path. That's I got it. I'm a, you know, I'm a long hauler anyways, low gear. So I, I mean, I love God, you that can see yourself in a state of damn depression, worrying about everything that's going to go wrong. I, I. Because of how we live, I know stuff can go wrong. It I, does. Yeah, I want you know. I spent my life wanting it to do. I can test myself in it, right? So I don't get worked up about it. I love it, man. That's a great question, Wizard, and that's something people gotta understand. I think that was the really the key component of of the key lesson learned with Dan's interview was that whole idea that you're not lying to yourself and creating a false future false reality what you're doing is you're just convincing yourself man you have what it takes you have the intestinal fortitude you have the mental strength you have the faith that belief that he talked about that will heal you no matter what 
pain you're going to endure. Is it going to bring his sight back? No, but that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about this ability to see the future of his own success because he was able to create the reality he wanted to manifest. That's the difference. Most of the stuff is just what other people are worried about. What, have you seen that Bridge of Spies movie where yeah. he's sitting there talking? He's like, man, God dang, aren't you nervous? Would it help? <laughs> that is a great quote. I love that. Would it help? <laughs> and that's it, man. I mean, if, you know, if, we, if we're outwardly showing that, and that's in the team environment. Yeah. Man, hell yeah, I'm scared. <laughs> is it this is my hot? fear face. Yeah. I know it looks mean, but it's my fear face. And, I, and the more, I mean, the more outwardly you got somebody crying and saying we're going to die, man, that's debilitating. People just even who have a an inkling of this ain't going to work will fall accordingly like dominoes, man. Right. Overcome. Oh, yeah, violence. man. And you know what else I know? That the dude standing across me is equally as afraid. And and you just kind of go down that list. When you, who you stand is, man, obviously you stand in front of me, man. So what, I am too. Let's go through the training thing. And start running through that. You can do it in an instant of your of your background compared to what you think somebody is standing in front of you. And the more you push yourself, you get into these situations and these groups, right? Where you're like, you know what? I've been through this, and I didn't see you there. So, right? And it's, it's totally. Kinda, I mean, you you tell yourself that, and sure, you're going to walk into situations where you get overwhelmed. That's part of it too, man. Yeah. Smile and we're like, hey, we found one. We found the next step up. You getting your ass handed to you, man. Mm-hmm. You're going in the right direction, right? Totally. <laughs> totally. That's what I love no, about Nothing that. grows without pressure. Pain. Nothing. Nothing. I love it. Well, i tell you what, man. If you're a first-time listener, holy cow, once again, man, have you been treated with some deep wisdom from, from Dan, man. I mean, this is a guy that truly believes in servitude and serving his country. God, what a blessing for you to be able to hear his story. Also, if you're coming back, you're a repeat offender for us, man. We love you. Without you, we would be nowhere near 4 million downloads. And, and, I, and I just know it's because of the work you guys are doing out there for us. The, the work that you're sharing with your loved one that's struggling. The work you're doing with somebody you work next to and saying, hey, listen, I know you're struggling Go to your iPhone. Here's your podcasting app. Subscribe to this podcast, the Team Never Quit podcast, because these guys, these Navy SEALs, they care, and they are delivering. Um, they are delivering content that's positive, powerful, impactful, and meaningful for for you. Download it, subscribe it, listen to it now. And that's a very important point we don't talk about very much. We are almost 100% word of mouth driven. Hands down. That's how people find us. That, that, is, that is how the listeners have just been that was accumulating, the plan. accumulating, that was accumulating. The plan. That here. was the plan. Humid. Yep, humid. And, and, and that's it's word of mouth. And, and that's the beauty of what we're doing, man. And, it, and if it's positive, what, Mark? It, that's the way it should be. Oh, man, it's great. We're kind of creating our own little team underground. Four million without advertising means it's, it's on. It, just that's how of, you build a high quality Yeah, it's community. just word of mouth. By right? the time it comes out, everybody's already known about it. And, and that, that's the power of people talking to each other and listening to each other's stories. And, and, and sharing their stories. Yeah. How about the fact that we have this huge catalog of the fact that right. our listeners are so moved, they're so compelled, that they summon this courage to submit their never-quit story to us. Well, look at it like this. If, Everyone's like, yeah, I'm in this hole by myself, man. It, 
I always looked at it. We're Amer- we're a family. America's a family. We're all in this together, meaning every problem together, and every every problem kind of resonates throughout the country, and just in a different capacity, in some level, man. And it's 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 how we take care of each other that through that collective. Yeah, thing. you know, I mean, it's kind of that that power push. Amen. So what we're gonna do now is we're gonna wrap this show up. We've got this great story that the wizard pulled for us, and thank you all to all the people who submit, man. Thank you so much. If if you if you send in a doozy, hey. We're, you know, we're we're gonna we're gonna go through them. We're gonna post them. We're gonna put them on our community page on the website at tnqpodcast.com. Just find the place where you share your story with, right? Um, we're gonna post them if they're if they really get us in the feels. We're gonna read it like we're gonna read this story right now. If they're amazing and they really hit us, Marcus, what are we gonna do? Coming on. You're coming on. You're gonna be. A guest listener that comes on that's going to be a, an active leader in terms of influencing people, the millions of people that are paying attention to our show, and we appreciate that. So, you know, let, let, let's get into this one. This one's from Doug. I started listening to your podcast just a few days ago, but just tonight, I listened to your one from Tim Ballard. This podcast is awesome. It successfully brings the SEAL, warrior mentality, and Christian values together. Sometimes folks think to be a SEAL or any sort of special operations team member, you have to throw morals and ethics, etc. out the window. But clearly, that is all incorrect, and you guys are living proof. Thank you for serving and for your new mission of doing this podcast. The motto of never quit has always been in my life. I was born with ectodermal dysplasia, providing me with significant obstacles to overcome, ranging from bullying at school to 15 different surgeries. I don't make tears. I'm small. I look different, have thinner hair, and don't sweat like everyone else. My never quit story starts in 2001, where the next few years, God decided to test my faith and throw at me several things a neck fusion, a brain tumor, a broken femur, and then a second brain tumor. Each time something came, each time something came, I just said, okay, and rolled with the situation. I never gave up, and God provided me with an awesome body that heals quickly, so I only missed a handful of weeks during those four years. Despite these obstacles, I never stopped trying to achieve my goal of doing something bigger than myself. My proudest achievement, besides where I work now, is being a volunteer firefighter. I remember the first day I walked into the station. The chief asked me what I wanted to do. And of course, I said, operations. He reluctantly agreed. I knew I had my work cut out for me, but I eventually earned everyone's respect. I became a technical rescue and interior qualified. And during my initial training, I received a shirt from one of my instructors as a signal of my hard work and dedication that I was one of his best students. I'm a bit crazy and thrive on adversity. If someone says no to something because they think I can't do it, I just want to do it even more and prove them all wrong. I hope this note inspires others to never give up no matter what life throws at them. You know, I mean, Doug, thank you so much for writing in. 
Uh, you, you've been through a lot, brother. But, you know, when you share that and have the courage to put that in, that just fires me up. It makes me think, uh, my God, what a blessing we have for what we're doing here. Me, Marcus, and a wizard. And, and to, to the gratitude I have, the thanks I have to have God in my life, to have Christ in my life. The, the thanks I have, the gratitude for my children, my daughters, the gratitude I have for my, my family, my friends, for my teammates. And to be in the same community as Dan Crenshaw, what a privilege, what an honor, man, to be here and, and just be able to share a trident with that man. I'm, I'm so thankful for that. I'm also thankful for all our brothers that just have paid the ultimate sacrifice, all our brothers that are still serving at the highest possible levels, man. You know, I'm just so thankful. I'm thankful to you two. For wanting to do this with me and, and to, to have an impact in our listeners. Who thank you for all of our listeners, man. But for, for us to be able to, to fulfill this mission, to, to help people in the way we're helping them by the millions, man, I'm just thankful to God. Oh, yeah. Man, our, uh, the listeners, man. Like I say, I didn't know I was special until I joined the military. It said special forces right there. I mean, I, I, anybody who tells you that. And our. American people I'm told me going that. for the name tag. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I need that identity. It says special right there. See, I'm not an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is oh. something, though. I, I think about it a lot. And, uh, man, there are times that I just kind of I, I, I giggle out loud at it. They, they let us be Navy SEALs, and then they let us do this. Crazy, right? <laughs> it's unbelievable. That it is. So thank you for that. And Crenshaw, man, just as usual, it's always good to hang out with a brother and get you, you know, good on you, make it into my house. <laughs> 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 no, it's a, you know, open door policy for team guys, man. So it, it's a, it was definitely a, a learning experience. And that's a cool part too, man. When we, when you get to peek behind all those curtains of each individual team guy we bring home, because we, there's a lot of that stuff we keep hidden. Yeah. We have to by design, right? It's not that we don't love each other. It's just like, like, man, why do you tell me that? Yeah, I don't know. I was embarrassed, you know. Yeah, totally. <laughs> you know, something totally. stupid like that. Like, man, I do the same thing. Really? So, yeah, <laughs> all right. But uh, it is, man. It's it's something to uh, to see. And, and there are those days now, especially the longer that we're out, where I, I'm like, man, uh, God dang, it sure was an honor to be there. Amen. Right? Good Lord. Thank you for that. I'm out. Out. Never quit. Team never quit. Team never quit.